0: that's the sound of another sale on Shopify in store Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person from payments to inventory Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com retail 23 shopify.com retail 23
2: I think advertising prepares you to do just anything in life frankly I ended up running at agencies, and they were publicly traded, so you, you did get the fiscal discipline part of it, and it was about earnings per share, and it was about quarterly budgets, and it was about, you know, managing the board and all that kind of stuff. So that's not fun, right? But you know, creativity and communication and brand building and vitally important in business. And you know, any CEO that doesn't respect the brand, you know, isn't a CEO, <laughs> right? And brands drive demand. Brands drive pricing, right? Brands drive differentiation and affinity for your products. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Marketing Vanguard podcast. I'm excited to bring you this new episode of Marketing Vanguard live at our first ever Adweek X event in L.A. Today, you'll hear from Adweek CEO Will Lee as well as Peter McGinnis, CEO of Impossible Foods, they'll discuss Peter's journey from CMO to CEO and how he's bringing his marketing background to business strategy.
1: Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate your, you uh, taking the time. Um, so I have to make I have to make a disclosure right here at the top. Um, I am a big fan of Impossible Good. Uh, products. I've I've I think I've, I've everything from the Dino Bites to the. To the uh, to the sausage patties, wild nuggies, but wild nuggies. Sorry, whatever you know. Dino bites. What? It, yeah. Anyway, that's no, good though. So um, let's start with uh, your journey, Peter. You have a pretty unique um, uh, journey from from agency to Chobani uh, to being the president of Ch- to becoming the president of Chobani and now uh, CEO sure. of Impossible. Can you talk a little bit about how that happened and? And uh, yeah,
2: you know like advertising was a springboard. No. Twenty years in advertising, never been to Deutsch LA. I've led a sheltered life. Yeah. Beautiful offices, by the way. Um, and of course beautiful weather. <laughs> yeah. Very <laughs> amazing. True. Left New York, it was like a like monsoon. <laughs> um Yeah, so spent a lot of time in advertising, twenty years, right? Ended up running agencies. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I think I think it's all what you make of it. I think advertising prepares you to do just anything in life, frankly. Um, I ended up running at agencies and they were publicly traded, so you you did get the fiscal discipline part of it, and it was about earnings per share and it was about quarterly budgets and it was about you know managing the board and all that kind of stuff so that 's not fun right, but you know creativity and communication and brand building and vitally important in business and you know any CEO that doesn't respect the brand you know isn't a CEO <laughs> right. And brands drive demand. Brands drive pricing, right? Um, Brands drive differentiation and affinity for your products. And anyone who runs a company wants their company to be beloved Mm -hmm. and stand for something, Mm -hmm. right? And so, um, yeah, I think think it prepares you to do anything. And then communication uh, in all of its forms is so critical to be a leader how you communicate to your employees, how you communicate to your management team, how you communicate to investors, Mm -hmm. how you communicate to journalists. You're making impressions, right? For your company and your brand. And I think advertising teaches you to be a great communicator. By the way, creativity and curiosity, you know, um, unbelievable things to have in business. Yeah. You know, Um, they're prized Mm -hmm. to have in business. And, you know, there are a lot of leaders that don't have it. And I believe, you know, they're not the best leaders. So I think, uh, and it's easy to say, oh, that advertising stuff's not real business or it's those creative people sure. and silly, right? And that's a myth. It needs to be dispelled. I yeah. think advertising is an incredible business. I think it's beyond a legitimate business. And I think it prepares you way more than other businesses to be leaders, yeah. um, not only within advertising, but outside of advertising. hmm
1: what, so, as the when you, when you became the CMO of chabani and then and then ultimately ascended to, to the president, what 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 qualities was it about about your tenure? And and obviously you you, you had a great run there uh, that that kind sure. of drove you and impelled you
2: compelled impelled you to the yeah uh, yeah. I mean, I think president. you know Chobani was a it wasn't a classically defined CMO role because mm. I had corporate communications, sure. and corporate affairs, and innovation, okay. and you okay. know because it was. A private company and it was smaller and it was startup-y at the time. So yeah. again, CMO, I think it's all what you make of it, right? Why, why should you let it define, you know? Yeah. You should be curious. So I spent a lot of time in the factories. I spent a lot of time mm-hmm. with the food. I spent a lot of time with innovation. And so when it came time for me to be chief demand officer and take on sales, right. I was already selling because I joined the sales force, Kroger call, Walmart calls, mm-hmm. Target calls, Whole Foods calls. Albertson's calls, Mm -hmm. Ralph's, whatever's in L.A. Um, And so I felt like I was selling as a salesperson, as a CMO already Mm -hmm. because who can talk about the company, the brand, the mission better than someone in marketing, right? Um, I spent all the time in the factory because I wanted to know how the product was made because how can you position it and package it and advertise it and Mm -hmm. communicate it if you don't know how it's made, you know? And so when it came time to get that president and then the chief operating officer. Everyone was like, oh, you know, the Soho marketing guy can't do this. The factories (laughs) in Idaho and upstate New York is not going to resonate and be relevant and know what the hell he's talking about. You know, in the end of the day, I had that curiosity. So I had credibility in the factories because I spent a lot of time there. You know, 90% of the employees were in the factories. You were a food manufacturer. Um, And, uh, you know, in the end, you know, what is, and that's why it's funny how the, the marketing people in CMOs get picked on. Like, Mm. They're the least likely to become CEO. It's mm. like that they're the most likely. You know, who else would be it? The CFO? That would be tragedy. <laughs> um, and um, you know, look at the basic definition of marketing, right? Yeah. Product, yeah. pricing, mm-hmm. placement. Um, these are fundamental to the company. Yeah. Right? You're making you're making a good or a service, and you have to package it, position it, market it, price it, make yeah. it. Yeah. And When you're a CMO, you're in the middle of it all. So actually, it's the most obvious, (laughs) um, if you get it, um, to become CEO, in my opinion, because if you just look around the C-suite, right? Chief legal officer, (laughs) the the sales prevention department, no. Um, The CFO, um, I had an old friend of mine, it was Keith Reinhart at DDB, Mm. and he was getting an argument with the CFO, and and he did a CFO. He's arguing with the CFO, and he says, look, man, I don't know what to tell you. I just have one more bar than you. And he completed the F made into an A e and said, get out of here. Let me. <laughs> um, why, why do you think the, the CFOs? just. Honestly? I'm not trying to pick on CFOs. I Michael, don't. no. I've worked with a lot of great CFOs, and they keep you yeah. out of trouble. And But my point is. Yeah. They, and generalizations are there for a reason, but they tend not to be the best communicators, have the biggest curiosity, the biggest vision. Yeah. CFO is a very technical position, yeah. right? Yep. Um, and you have to go to school for it. Mm-hmm. I was a terrible student. I could have never <laughs> gone to school for law or finance. Um, but look, I think you know, it's about impact and influence. And I think if you're a CMO and you don't get bound by the technical definition and you make the most of it, yeah. you can touch the company more than any other position in the company. And you can have the greatest impact and the greatest influence, which are the two I's I love the most, than any other position in the company. Mm-hmm. And um, and you'd be surprised that your job as CMO is preparing you for the next job. Yeah. Most people think it's this limiting thing, and I'm going to hit a wall or yeah. hit a ceiling, and it's just not true. I mean, you know, you're also not doing yourself a service either. Right. So don't be, you know, don't sell yourself short. Don't let the position define you. You absolutely should define the position in your journey. Mm -hmm. And I think that will help you um, be limitless.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a
1: given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today.
0: That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com. Retail
1: So you're now the CEO, right? And you have a CMO, Leslie Sims, who unfortunately mm-hmm. couldn't be here. She was supposed to be here with us. But tell us a little bit about that relationship and if you wouldn't mind and, and sort of what the working relationship is like without using the word collaboration, if you can manage it. Sure. Well but we've heard it a lot today, which is a great word, but I just want to see if we can Well you know. well the first thing is I
2: you know, I would just rather be the CMO. The CEO sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and be careful what you wish for, trust me. Um and so I'd look at Leslie I'm like, that's a fun job. <laughs> <laughs> and um no it's 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 a tough one because I, you know I've known her for a long, long time. And here's the thing, it's like when I became president CEO at Chibani, it was like, "Hey, he doesn't know manufacturing." And mm-hmm. in the end of the day, I don't know manufacturing, but I had a chief manufacturing officer. Right, right. I don't want to out chief supply chain the supply chain person. Sure. You know, so what kind of leader are you going to be? You're going to be a servant leader. Are you going to be magnanimous and generous for your time. Are you going to be overreaching and duplicative? And so I was there to support. You know, uh, I'm also not a lawyer. I mm-hmm. had a great general counsel. I'm not here to do the general counsel's job for them. I'm yeah. here to make sure that I remove barriers and they perform to the best of their ability and that they do a great job for the company. Yeah. And so I know enough about marketing to be dangerous. It's my old world. And so I do have to stop myself from time to time and just let Leslie do what she does. So that's why I hired her. Yeah. You know, But that was one where I could probably lean in the most, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I'm comfortable with it. And I have probably a very strong point of view, but you have to, stop yourself right now we can have chats and if she asks me my point of view i'll let her know but i really go out of my way to not go there
1: <laughs> for the sake of both of us if if so, leslie were here what what would you what how would she describe how 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 you work together as ceo and cm yeah i think
2: the thing with leslie because she also you know by the way not a kind of an atypical sure agency yeah i mean she was a creative person right yeah. and it, to me like a creative person is CMO is not a big leap. Yeah. Because it's about communication, it's about creativity, it's about brand building, it's about understanding value propositions, it's about yeah. um being able to articulate products in a way that compels people to buy and create demand. So I don't think it's that big of a leap, but it's not a lot of chief creative officers become CMOs. It's just yeah. not. Yeah. So one thing I do help her with is there, you know, there is a lot of the you know, it's a tricky business. And in plant-based, it's very tricky in how the product's made and marketed and the intellectual property around it and a lot of the rules and regulations. So I just try to help her with a lot of that business side of it, not to hinder her progress (laughs) or weigh her down at all. But, you know, I think if there's one thing, um, and she's only been there for, Leslie's been there for like eight, nine months, right? right? So I try to kind of shelter her from things that Will distract her, get in her way, sure. and then also try to help her understand some of the mechanics, right? So mm-hmm. that we're not doing superfluous, right? You know, silly stuff. Yeah, interesting.
1: Um, so uh, it's no secret that the uh, that uh, plant-based meat and and uh, that the the category is is challenged. And I've heard you talk about the fact that you're you're really trying to transcend the category, right? Sure, and 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 not just be about about be, being the best plant plant-based meat, but just making a really great burger right what what are the things that you and you and leslie like talk about confer on strategize on to 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 get there like how what are those
2: conversations like and and can you take this kind of you know into the into the uh yeah i mean this is a tricky one too because i think um you know the animal industry is 1.5 trillion which is it's probably the largest industry in the world right and um it is affecting climate and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole here, but there is an effect. And um, the whole plant-based industry is $8 billion. So it's tiny. Yeah. You know, it's like 0.0001% share. And um, we got to make that category bigger. And so how do you make the category bigger? Mm -hmm. Right. And now plant-based was launched, I believe incorrectly. And I'm not, being pejorative or pointing fingers. It was launched by founders that were climate warriors and it was launched around climate and it was, there was a wokeness to it. There was a bi-coastalness to it. There was an academia to it, Mm -hmm. professors and, and then there's an elitism to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was priced up and it was for the wealthy and the educated and that pissed most of America off. And so I believe that narrowed the aperture, and I believe that made the category smaller than it needs to be. So what we talk about is we have to almost reboot Impossible, but reboot the category. Mm -hmm. And what what happened in doing that, by the way, the target audience of Impossible is meat eaters. So the the way to actually get meat eaters to buy your product is not to piss them off, (laughs) vilify them, insult them, judge them. No one likes to be judged, right? And so it's invite them. So we just had the wrong eye, mm-hmm. you know, so go from insulting to inviting, right. which is a hell of a journey, right? So for her, she's got to kind of, mm-hmm. and the other thing is there's a funnel and what's the broadest appeal, right? It tastes good. It's good for you.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. right. So there's zero cholesterol, 50% less saturated fat, 22 grams of protein. Yep. No one's talking about the health benefit. People care about themselves over anything. It's just a, it's fine. <laughs> We're inherently a little selfish. But I don't care about the planet if I'm not healthy, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to care about the planet's health. So the upper funnel is food. The other thing is this industry positioned it as tech.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But you don't need technology, right? <laughs> right? You need to make delicious food. If I'm having a burger and I love that burger, your burger better be damn good tasting. Yep. By the way, the R&D department has to kind of redirect as well. So taste good is good for you. Then if you're interested, you can talk about animal welfare. You can talk about water saved, Mm -hmm. tree saved, land saved, GHG avoided. But that's further down the funnel. And that's a narrow proposition. So for Leslie, she has to sit there and say, okay, impossible needs to be mass in order to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Right? And the other thing is we're not a vegan. I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian. I'm a flexitarian. So half the country kind of says they're flexitarians. Mm. 1.4% 1.4% of the country says they're a vegan, and if we were a vegan company, we'd be appealing to 1.4% of the population, and we wouldn't have any climate impact right. because we wouldn't be displacing meat. <laughs> right. Um, and so the whole thing needs to be rethought. It's a fascinating. It's probably one of the biggest communication challenges yeah. in the industry on how do you articulate the value proposition of this yeah. and how do you appeal to meat eaters. It's a tough one. It is, and
1: from a from a marketing standpoint, I think I find it. I find this. Reading, uh, um, you know, some of some of the things that you've talked about, like super fascinating because it is, it's really changing perception in such a significant way. And 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 how do you, you know, uh, uh, um, how do you embody that, right? Like like day to day. I know you're you're you know you're, you're sure. very on brand all the time, right? You're very well. Well, we have fifteen percent audience awareness
2: of so yeah, you exactly. know. I have to wear an extra large Impossible logo Yeah, I go. <laughs> Take it any way I can get it. We don't have endless budget. Merch. No, Merch. I'm kidding. Um, you know, look, I think we have very little awareness, very little understanding of the mm-hmm. product, right? Yeah. Um, and so this is, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting brief, right, to yeah. all creative people. Um, you know, how do you, how do you package position
0: mm-hmm.
2: and sell this stuff, right? The meat industry is calling it process faked foe. It's actually grown in the ground, <laughs> right. and it's harvested, and it's made in America. And then they also say it's made in China, all this crazy shit. I mean, some people still think the election was stolen. I mean, if people say <laughs> shit, they believe stuff, and I want to go there. But um, I, was on the, I was on the phone with the then third in line to be president, no longer Speaker of the House, and remain nameless. We don't, have to call him, we don't have to call him by name, but he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. But anyway, he, I was supposed to be talking to him <laughs> about the plant-based industry. And educating him. Because I was like, why am I talking to him? (laughs) And they're like, no, you need to educate him. I'm like, all right. Well, I'll give it a whirl. So he lays into me. He's like, that shit's made in a lab. I was like, no. That's lab-based meat. This is plant-based meat. Plants. Yeah. Ground. Soil. (laughs) And then he's like, well, that shit's made. I'm probably being recorded, but it's funny. He's no longer speaking of the house. And he's like, and that's made in China. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I said, no, I said I was just in Decatur, Illinois, where it's the soy capital of the world. If you guys haven't been to Decatur. My hometown. Is it really? Yes, it is. Decatur, Illinois. That is wild. I didn't even rehearse that. So you know
1: ADM. I do. So Super- ADM supplies
2: cool. us with our soy. Yeah. So you and I, we know ADM. And there's a great ice cream uh, shop local. It's the name of that place? Oh, It'll uh, come to me.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a few. But uh, um, oh, uh, Crackle's. Yes, Yes. Crackle's Custard, the best. Custard, I love that place. Good tip. Anyway,
2: I was, I was about to say, if you haven't been to Decatur, Illinois, don't put it on your bucket list. But <laughs> of course go.
1: It's a great, great place. I'm not um,
2: that. Yeah. It's a great, great place for a day. No, I'm kidding. But um, anyway, so I was telling him, I was like, I was in D- Decatur, Illinois, in soy fields. Mm-hmm. Soy in the ground. Yeah, harvested. I picked them. Then I said it's shipped to Chicago. It's made in Chicago. It's made in L.A. here. Yep. So I'm going to go to the factory tomorrow. And in Oakland. Mm. So I said it's grown in America, made in America, and it's a plant, <laughs> right? Wrap your mind around that. But this <laughs> stuff, you know, this, is a, this conference is about dispelling myths. Yeah. There's a massive amount of myths yeah. about plant-based, processed. Right. And I don't want to go there because, you know, I eat meat from time to time. But meat is a class one carcinogen. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to get in You mud. Know, the other thing is I want to launch Impossible or relaunch Impossible in a very inclusive way. I believe it was launched against something, yep. and it should be land for something. It should be for the planet, it should be for health, it should be for people 's health it shouldn't be i don't i don't believe building a brand long term against something is right. sustainable in my opinion so um you know we don 't want to get into a, a kind of a pissing match with meat yeah. right and by the way they're one point five trillion dollars <laughs> and they 're highly coordinated, highly funded, yeah. highly lobbied. We will lose that, yeah. and we have like 200 plant-based companies. We're all like yeah. half of them are going out of business. We're totally uncoordinated. Everyone's out for themselves. No one has any money. It's a mess. <laughs> so uh, total mess. But um, tell us how you really fit. Yeah, no, but I, I do think one of the things that needs to happen is a industry. I don't know if it's a got milk nope type of campaign, yeah. but we've fragmented ourselves, and we're going against this behemoth. Yeah. Right so I think each individual brand has mm. to do their own thing in the right way but I do believe there is a collective opportunity to extol the benefits of the category yeah because at the end of the day if the category doesn't grow my job is not to steal share from beyond me right then I've just moved the deck chairs around and th- there's been no benefit the category stays stays the same size and there's no sustainability yeah we haven't chipped away at the larger piece and by the way then you put your investor relations cap on and your IPO cap on and your Fundraising cap on. Hey, I'm Impossible Foods and my addressable market is $8 billion. (laughs) Will you lend me a billion? Oh, my addressable market's $1.5 trillion. Will you lend me a billion? (laughs) Sure. Um, Just simplistically put. So you got to also know who your target audience is. You got to know who you're competing against. And these are all tricky things. It's a very, you know, it, it made yogurt seem simple. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I, and, and I've worked in a lot of categories did the priceless stuff. I mean, it's it's a very complicated, no one's cracked it. Yeah, totally. Well, we're
1: unfortunately out of time. We can talk about this. And, and well, the previous, we're
2: previous, there over time. Fair um, is fair. And yes, I'm caddy. No, I'm kidding. Are there, are there, um,
1: uh, which of your, um, uh, which of your, uh, which of the impossible products is one that uh, everybody should try?
2: Yeah, and you know, part of our issue is they're not an amazing distribution. Mm-hmm. So we have about 700 total distribution mm-hmm. points a, out of 9,000.
1: Sounds like you need to do a demand.
2: Well, uh, we need salespeople yeah. to sell. but And then in food service, we have 45,000 locations out of 1.5 million. But meatballs are awesome. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. Yeah. 50 pork, 50 uh, pork. Yeah. The chicken products Six, are actually preferred to the animal 70 to 30. Wow. 70 to 30 actually preferred to the animal, right? So the chicken products are phenomenal. And then we launched an indulgent burger, which is a thicker, juicier one. is a really nice one as well. And look, I mean, go to a Starbucks. I think the sausage sandwich is awesome at yep. Starbucks. And if, good. you know, I don't go to a lot of Burger Kings, but if you find yourself in Indiana like I was last week, <laughs> I had the Impossible Whopper. It's freaking good. Yeah. I'm biased totally, completely, <laughs> but it's good. Um, so anyway. All right. Well, thanks so much for
1: Thank you, everybody. Thanks, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, man. Good to see you. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast
0: Shopify.com slash retail23.